This is Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. Like, you gotta do the work. You gotta show up and just do the work. What's good? Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Marcus Whitney Live today. Super excited. Uh, blast from the past, but somebody whose uh, impact in my life uh, still shows up every single week. Uh, this is the man who taught me how to swing a kettlebell. Um, and that was uh, a revelation for me because, quite frankly, you know, I think for a lot of us, we get out of high school or college, which might be the last time we've done a real athletic endeavor. And then, you know, you, you, when you think about working out, what do you do? You go run, you know, you might go take in a class, uh, you know, aerobics or something like that. But, but you know, getting back into actually picking up weights, uh, it's not that easy when you've taken a decade or more off. And so um, what was so great about getting back into kettlebells was it taught me about dynamic movement. It taught me about my hips again. Um, it taught me a brand new way of, of actually, you know, getting strong that I didn't know. And today it is such an important part of my life. I do a lot of stuff in, in my, my home gym, but kettlebells continues to be one of the key pieces. Um, and look, I learned from one of the best in the world. Uh, and so I'm happy to share him with you all for the next 30 minutes. Uh, this is my man, the iron tamer, Dave Whitley. Dave, what's up, man? Doing fantastic. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Man. It has been too long since we've seen each other face to face as well. I know, man. This this uh this pandemic is just like putting an exclamation mark on that, man, unfortunately. But yeah. uh but thank you for saying yes and and doing the show. And it's uh it's great to catch up with you. So look, man, I, I just I wanted to start with a little bit about your origin story. You know, for those who know you. Uh, they know that iron tamer is not just a funny term. They know you literally, legitimately tame iron. Um, but you know, you know what I mean. But but I think you know for for the for the uninitiated man, you know, just a little bit of background on who you are and and sort of how you how you came to be. All right, the short version of the story, and and I tell this story when I do uh, live speaking events as a strong man or as a motivational speaker at corporate events or schools or whatever. Um, the short version of the story is when I was a kid, I was very overweight and I had a terrible stutter and everything that goes along with kids being cruel was happening at that time in my life. And I was also naturally extroverted. Which means that I figured out that if I could be disruptive, then I could have control over the the uh, dynamic of the situation. So into a little bit of trouble, nothing terrible, but the other part of that involved retreating into this world of like science fiction, fantasy, and comic books, and really identifying with a lot of the characters in these comic books. In particular, for me at that age, it was the Hulk because he was indestructible he was unstoppable and he was fueled by this anger that i was feeling at the time now, i'm not an angry guy anymore but but as a kid there was a certain amount of that right <clears throat> and i remember vividly the first time i saw as a kid the television show with lou ferrigno and the hulk and something flipped in my mind to where this isn't just a cartoon comic thing anymore that's a real guy he's wearing makeup and a, you know a wig and all that sort of stuff Stuff, but that's not a costume. That was a real human being. And so the switch flipped from fantasy to possibility, seeing him 
on television like that. And um, I think for Christmas the following year, I was maybe nine or 10 years old. Um, I got a set of weights and started lifting. I had done it off and on for the past 40-ish years. In um, the early 2000s, I got involved in the kettlebell world. I had I borrowed a kettlebell and a VHS on how to use it from someone and proceeded to um, unlock the potential of, of what was there. Air, like you know, literally in three or four minutes, I had just completely wasted myself and, and was feeling like I would, I would feel after a, an hour long workout from the kind of training I was doing at the time. So became a kettlebell instructor after getting convinced like that and spent uh, 13 or 14 years involved in that. Um, I was part of the RKC and also Strong First as a master instructor teaching certifications at the end of that tenure. Um, ran a kettlebell centric gym in Nashville, um, used to do outdoor kettlebell classes in Centennial Park in Nashville, which is where we first met, traveled all over the place doing workshops with that. And this fascination with strength ultimately led me to, um, through a series of events that we'll tell in another time when there is time, I met a guy named Dennis Rogers, who is um, a grandmaster strongman and probably the most well-known performing strongman in the world, if not of all time. He's a little guy, he's about 5'8", about 170 pounds. And I'm on video bending a wrench and it just, my mind couldn't compute it. Um, I was introduced to him by another very strong person named Bud Jeffries and was going to do an interview. This predates podcasts. I was doing interviews and burning CDs and mailing them out to people. I was going to do an interview with Dennis and he sent me some some uh, DVDs and stuff to show what he did. And I was just fascinated by it, ultimately became a student of his. And in about 2013, um, started making the transition to doing that full time, um, having learned not only how to do the feeds, but how to put on a presentation, how to um, craft a talk and use the feeds to support the talk rather than have the feeds be the main thing. And we also taught multiple workshops together. And back in January of this year, he's let's see, 63 now. He effectively retired from performing and also from teaching and handed me the reins of old time strongman university, which is a, a huge honor for me. And um, that's, that's where we are now. So, so Dave, I, I do want to uh, maybe talk a little bit about both Dennis and also the the kettlebell world again, just from my own experience, because I hadn't thought about it that much. But one of the most important things that you did for me when you taught me kettlebells was you redefined the picture in my mind that I had of a strong person, mm -hmm. um, which was to say I stopped imagining it looking like a particular thing, right? And I think that's really interesting because you first came to this by way of uh, the Incredible Hulk. So many of us, we, mm -hmm. you know, we watched Lou Ferrigno and obviously like, you know, he was unbelievable, right? But, sure. but Lou Ferrigno is kind of a classic Venice Beach, Gold's Gym mm -hmm. kind of body looking guy, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Mr. Universe, absolutely. Right, you know, so he's got this look to him where he looks strong, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I started training with you first of all you know sort of looking around the the room uh or or we were outdoors so the can you know uh, you know under the canopy people of all body makeups all body types you know were there 
And I just remember that very first class swinging and being like, oh, my God. I, first of all, I'm activating muscles I didn't even know that I had, right? You know what I mean? And and I also started realizing this is because it's a dynamic movement, it is much more like the movements that I carry on every single day. And it's not just about like, you know, it's, it's, it's about, it's, it's about here. It's about understanding my entire body and my breath and, you know, everything and making it all work uh, in a coordinated way. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and quite frankly, like you were way stronger than you quote unquote looked to me, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, the stuff you were doing, I was just like, holy shit, this dude is like, this dude is like incredibly strong, stronger than most people I'd ever met in my life. Right. And so, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, did kettlebells help you to, to do that? Like, like what, what was the, 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 the switch in your head from, okay, I see Lou Ferrigno. I'm a young person. I get this set of weights to getting that next level of understanding of strength that puts you on a trajectory where you would, you know, be able to inherit the reins of old man, you know, of, of, of the old time strong man, you know, and, and like a guy like Dennis Rogers, who, who's, who is so small, but yet is so incredibly strong. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis is like five, eight and like 170 pounds. And one of the, well, the old time association, old time barbell and strong man, um, association, <laughs> um, gave him an honor back probably 20, ish years ago, um, pound for pound, the strongest man in the world for the feats he performs. And so the important thing there is pound for pound. He's doing stuff that guys twice his size couldn't do. Um, for me to answer your actual question, starting out with that idea of Mr. Universe type body equals strong was adequate. It got me interested in lifting. When I started doing things um, with kettlebell training, I started seeing, I noticed immediately that there was some overlap between those things and some stuff that I had learned in various martial art practices, specifically related to breath and alignment and positioning. And, you know, it's, it's great to have like this super high horsepower motor, but if you don't have a transmission and a frame and some wheels and a steering wheel and an accelerator, it doesn't mean anything. The, the actual just exertion of force by the muscles is a small part of strength. Um, so the breath, the alignment, all that stuff set me up to understand better when I saw Dennis Rogers doing these amazing things and other old time strongmen doing these amazing things. Okay, this, this strength goes beyond just having big muscles or being able to exert force with muscles. And so the key thing for me when I first started training with Dennis is I, uh, there's a feat that I do that I learned from him where I take a nail and I wrap it up in a piece of cloth and I drive it through a board with my hand. And the first time that I remember seeing that feat being done was a video of Dennis when there was some stuff that went terribly wrong and the nail, the head of the nail, this part, if you can see it on camera, not the pointy part, wound up embedded in his hand and he just happened to catch it on camera caught the subsequent trip to the emergency room and the extraction of the nail on camera too. So I'm learning to do this feat, talking to Dennis on the phone. And um, we didn't even have YouTube accounts at the time. We were just talking back and forth and I had some DVDs to reference it from. And I could feel myself putting the brakes on subconsciously, even though consciously I knew that I was 
that I'd taken care of all the safety stuff that needed to be taken care of. I was 100% as safe as a man can be doing this thing. And I would still feel myself slowing down because there was this image in my mind of the guy who taught me to do this, having this terrible mistake happen. And finally, um, overcame that when I went and trained with Dennis directly in person and saw that he had a belief in my ability to do it that was a little bit lacking on me. He was there and he, any doubt that I had about the safety of, of what he told me to do was removed because he was there doing it. He just cleared all that out of the way. And he said something that, that really made the whole thing switch. And that was, you must remove all doubt and limitation from your mind because your mind controls your body. Okay, that makes sense. And within about 10 or 15 minutes, I'm driving down through board. And I believe I have done it literally in every one of the hundreds of shows that I've done since then. It's a, become a signature feat, the way that I do it, the part of the talk that I use it in, it ties into making a decision. And my objective here is not to drive the nail through the board, it's to pop the balloon that's on the underside. And I don't care about the board. There's stuff this whole setup with yeah. it, right? Yeah. So I'm very comfortable with the feet now. But when he said that about the mind controls the body, I took it to heart literally, but then the more I thought about it as I was working on growing my business and various other things that don't have anything to do with feats of strength, I realized that the body is not just this meat suit that, that my consciousness is walking around is. It's literally everything in my external environment. So my mind is in control of the influx and outflow of my money. My mind is in control of the quality of the relationships that I have. My mind is in control of everything that's going on in this physical existence. And when I realized that, I started to connect dots between things that, like the mighty Adam said, um, never be inhibited by the seemingly impossible. Think that you're strong and you are. Well, if you pull the word strong out and plug any other word in there, that's still true. Whatever you think, you become. And so I started to, to, to make connect the dots between that kind of stuff and stuff like Napoleon Hill and Neville Goddard and um, Wallace Waddles and, and James Allen and all these other personal development type things and from back in the old days. And I realized it's all the same idea, just being expressed slightly differently. Like, for example... Um, hopefully everyone can see me. This is a 60 penny nail. It's a quarter inch in diameter and it's six inches long. And I have some leather here because I don't want that to happen to my skin. But I'm going to wrap the nail up. It's probably the first time you've had anybody do this on the show, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm going to wrap the nail up in this leather. And I'm sitting down, so I can't guarantee how fast this is going to go. But um, I think about this nail, steel is strong, right? We use it to build buildings and bridges and cars and all that stuff. Steel is strong, but it has no consciousness, no will of its own. And I do. Therefore, I'm stronger than steel. And all I have to do is just exert my will on it, taking into account the leverages involved. And I can bend it to whatever I want. I can bend it to my will at will. And that is the essence of what I try to communicate with people. Now, superhuman strength may not be your thing, but I believe that all of us have superhuman powers. And that was the genesis of the idea of the book and, and everything else that's associated with superhuman you. Um, if maybe superhuman strength is not your thing, it probably isn't, but maybe it has to do with uh, rescuing animals or helping 
people in need in some some capacity like that whatever that thing is ultimately becomes your superhuman power and that can be developed it can be identified and it can be developed through a um a repeatable predictable process no matter what the inherent power is it can be developed so that you can fully express who you are you can live a full and happy life and you can make the world a better place for me that's what superhuman powers is really about as cool as it would be to have heat vision or be able to fly that's not the world we live in so this this is a great time to to really dig into the book um but as as an author i always like to start with you know what was the moment when you realized you needed to get this information this message into the form mm. of a book I always want to just like understand that part because then that sort of frames up and colors what's actually in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a guy named Joe Vitale who was in the movie The Secret back in the early, you know, mid 2000s or whatever. And I had read some of his material and put it into practice and was a fan of his stuff. And one day out of the blue, he contacted me on Facebook and I thought it was somebody trolling me or messing with me or whatever. But it turns out it was actually him. And we started talking. He, he contacted me because he saw some of the stuff that I was doing and told me he was a fan of my feats of strength. I'm like, that's amazing because I'm a fan of your stuff and have you know, followed you for years and all that. Ultimately, um, actually five years ago right now, he came to um, Old Time Strongman University workshop that Dennis and I were doing. And he was able to drive the nail through the board on his very first attempt. So much so that it came so easily to him. He's like, this is no big deal. I want to learn how to do that other stuff. And I'm like, wow. It took months to do that, you know? So Joe and I continued to stay in contact and I wound up going and spending a weekend with him to help coach him on some of the feats of strength that we had learned. But he in exchange agreed to help coach me on some of the ideas that I had that were just kind of floating around out there that I wanted to be able to get in front of other people. And he actually has a course. I don't recall the name of it, but he has a course on how to um, write and publish your own book because he's written, I think, 70 or 80 something books. Right. And so we were sitting there talking. He's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm throwing out these different ideas and this and that. And he's like, well, have you thought about writing a book? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I haven't really put, you know, much energy into it and this and that. And he says, well, what would it be about? And I tell him a little bit about it. And then he asked me a very importantly worded question. He says, when are you going to send me the rough draft on that? And that took it from this like rough draft that's like the beginning part of a book and i just flippantly said this was in december i just flippantly said i don't know how about the middle of February?" He holds his hand out and says deal and i shake his hand and i'm like shit i just agreed to write a book <laughs> <laughs> that was really the pivotal moment that, that the book happened and so um i sent him the rough draft in the middle of february and on march 15th i had the first hard copy of it in my hand and was actually selling them at an event so um having someone to put that same kind of he put the same kind of clarity on writing the book that dennis did on driving the nail it was just like everything that, that is not a part of this just eliminate it and then do that that one thing just write the book yeah, I, I love that because I, I could, I'm, and I'm glad I asked that question because I feel like with that, that had to be infused in the book. 
right? I mean, this this sort of yeah, oh yeah, th- this this uh, this sense of purpose with anything you're trying to do, even if it's like uncovering this part of you that you know is there but is dormant or a little mm-hmm. bit confused or just discombobulated. Um, I know mm-hmm. that that's infused into the book. Can you can you give us? maybe some of the keys or, or some of the, the, the important processes that, that you, you mentioned in the book? Yes. And um, to the point of, of actually completing the book, I think one thing that I realized that was a carryover from strength training into doing other things was that it doesn't matter all work on done and hey, so hey Dave, hey Dave owning a gym and being in that hmm? hey say that one more time because you broke up on that um the the amount of hard work that you do or the amount of time that it takes to do something doesn't matter all that matters is achieving the result right? Right, right and from being in the gym and and being being a part of that kind of culture for so long i noticed that there's this this idea of of i have to punish myself i have mm-hmm. to work really hard and i have to hustle and grind and i have to 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 suffer and none of that is necessary none of it and when i when i train for strength i don't go all out and try to kill myself and, and need three days to recover and all that. If you're doing three or four shows in a week and you're getting on a plane in between each one of them, you're already exhausted enough. I have right. to be able to step on stage and be like, well, guys, I'm going to try to bend this, but I may not be able to because I'm really tired, you know? So my, from the kettlebell experience was treating the training like a practice, which once I dug deeper into that, I found out that that idea came from the old vaudeville strongman like Arthur Saxon, who would, their job was to lift weights in front of a crowd. Yeah. So you're not going to go and do a maximum attempt in front of a crowd of people and potentially fail. You, whatever your, your 70 or 80% of your maximum attempt is, is more than they can do anyway. So that's the marvelous thing about it. And so when I realized that, that effort and grinding and hustling and, and all this stuff that, that, that is associated with being in beast mode right, didn't right. actually apply was I was, at, I was, <laughs> um, think about beast mode and, and what that, that brings up in most people when they think about it, but then think about actual beasts. Let's think about the lion, the king of beasts. What does he do? He sleeps 20 hours a day when he wakes up, he's hungry. So he goes out and he finds something to eat. He walks up on that herd of wildebeest. He doesn't, he doesn't look out on the, fastest most aggressive wildebeest in this herd okay he's over there good i'm gonna go for this little three-legged old guy that's about <laughs> to die anyway because my only job is to get fed so i can get back to napping right and when i realized that that's what beast mode really means it's do the things that really move the needle and not put a bunch of needless suffering in on top of it not glorify the the beat down that you're giving yourself because yeah. all of that energy that you're using for that could be used much more productively as a creative thing rather than a competitive thing. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes all the sense, man. That makes all the sense. So, so let's, let's just talk about what you're doing right now. I mean, you know, the pandemic is obviously impacted authors and speakers everywhere. Um, and so, you know, I know that, 
that you are not somebody who just sort of, you know, sits back and rests, you know, how, how, how have you taken this moment to, you know, um, to evolve? Like, you know, what are you doing with the, with the superhuman new message, you know, right now? Well, ever since I wrote the book, I had another idea that was floating around in my head. Um, and Joe Vitale encouraged me to pursue this. It would make a great personal development coaching program. The information that's in there, the story that I'm able to tell, the way I'm able to relate it back to feats of strength, all that stuff resonates with people because they see someone do something that they perceive as impossible and it gives them um, inspiration to look at their, themselves and, and what's, what's the thing that I think is impossible that I could actually do, right? And so since 20, literally for me, going to shows, um, traveling, speaking, all that stuff, everything got canceled. I had been doing some online coaching with one-on-one um, -on -one with people. And unfortunately, um, all of that wound up going by the wayside as well, because the people that I'm coaching, their economic lives got impacted. They weren't able to, you know, they're more concerned with paying their rent and buying groceries than they are than paying for my coach. And I totally understand that. So it left me with, um, depending on how you want to look at it, um, a terrible place where there's no other choice or a great place where there's this really wonderful choice. And right. so I decided I got, I've got nothing else professionally to distract me from doing this right now. The answer is obvious. It's being dumped in my lap. It's time to do this thing. So I started working on that back in April or March or April and was gaining momentum with it. And then my dad passed away in early May. Mm. And so I honored the entire process and still to this day, continue to honor the process of, of dealing with that loss and adjusting and doing, doing everything that goes along with it. And I am now at the point where I had intended to be around the end of May with the uh, momentum that's going with this. I've um, last week did a couple of webinars to do a, a, a beta on a beta version of the coaching program. I got some people that um, were interested in doing it. They're going through the program right now. And um, the next step is going to be taking their feedback from it, looking at their results and refining it, making it even better and, and getting it in front of more people and getting it into the minds of more and more people. That's, that's where my entire focus is right now because I had already started thinking in terms of that. I got a son that'll be two next month and I'm like, I don't want to get on any more airplanes than I already am. I, you know, so I start thinking about ways to, to scale that back. So it all just kind of falls into place perfectly, really. So, um, well, condolences on the passing of your father. And I, I, I want to maybe just, thank you. Uh, you know, from, from that entire last piece that you just shared, you know, ask you're, you're always a person that, that processes things and, and seeks the wisdom in moments. And so, you know, I think so many mm -hmm. people right now are, uh, are dealing with in one form or another, this sense of loss and fear and grieving. And, and then also the sense of clarity hopefully purpose and, and, oppor and opportunity. Um, and, and what you just shared, you know, what, what, what wisdom have you, uh, have you been able to unearth over this last, you know, four or five month period as you've both been working on this, this, this project that, you know, you had in mind for a while and you, you now see you've got the time 
to really spend and focus on it. And at the same time, you know, really dealing with, with, with your humanity, you know, you've got, you know, this, this, uh, this brand new child, uh, you know, he's a couple of years old, but still, you, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's still brand new. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, the loss of, of, of a parent, um, what, what, what have, what's been the lesson, uh, that, that you've been able to pull out of this, this moment? I was literally thinking about this earlier today that, we hear the term once in a lifetime moment being thrown around. That's kind of like a cliche. And I realized that every single second that ticks off on the clock is a once in a lifetime second. Mm. And how much time of these once in a lifetime instances am I spending improving myself or enjoying myself or being grateful or doing all these things that, that I say that I want to do and to be versus how much time am I spending um, complaining or criticizing or lamenting, you know, something bad. And, and, and we have to have that contrast between the two to just have the human experience. But if we want to be happy and we want to be fulfilled, keeping in mind that the way to do that is to think happy and fulfilled thoughts and to take happy and fulfilled, fulfilling actions um, and just constantly remind myself of that because, you know, it's, it's like we were talking about before we went on, on air that um, one of the best things you can do right now is to not watch the news, you know, because it, there's, there's all of the divisiveness and everyone thinks that they're right. And ultimately it's all rooted in fear and everyone who's criticizing someone else. Um, I ran across a quote not too long ago that um, I think it's from Emmett Fox, but I may be wrong. Criticism is, um, indirect self boasting. So if I'm criticizing you or a group of people or a political party or a movement or whatever, then in some way I'm saying, I know more about everything than you do. And I'm better than you because I'm pointing out these flaws in your belief system and my belief system is superior. Mm. And if you can understand that and start to look at how your belief system affects how you go about your day-to-day stuff and realize that I want to be, I want to be happy and shit. And that, that, that if they would, if everyone would just agree with me, the world would be a perfect place that sets up a conflict that can only be resolved more conflict. That's if you're divided against yourself, then you're always fighting against yourself. And if you're fighting against yourself, somebody's got to lose. If it's you versus you, someone loses Mm. and it's always going to be you. So what can, what can I do to make my thought process have as much clarity as possible and have my belief system subconsciously line up with what I say that I actually want consciously because how many of us say we happy but then the next thing we do is go complain about something no one ever complained their way to happiness Mm. strong strong words strong wisdom um dave uh it has been too long but i'm glad we found Mm -hmm. you know 30 minutes to uh to connect everybody out there uh you guys got to follow dave at iron tamer on instagram and on twitter uh, you can search for his group, Superhuman You Coaching, on Facebook. Uh, so you can, you know, check him out there. And then the website where you can su- subscribe to his email list and, like, learn about everything he's doing with the new group is superhumanyoubook.com. So go 
check it out. Support this incredible, incredible, inspiring human being. And uh, also, if you if you've got like you know ten or fifteen minutes, uh, you know today just to like see some incredible stuff, just like Google Iron Tamer or like just go on YouTube and like you know put in Iron Tamer and you can see him doing all these ridiculous feats. Uh, and and understand like it's it's not just a uh, you know it's it's not just a term. Uh, he 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 actually gets it in. So uh, Tamer, thanks so much, man. Um, my book, Create and Orchestrate, in stores now. Go grab it if you haven't already. The podcast market. Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe, and you can follow me everywhere at Marcus Whitney. Uh, That's it. I will be back here tomorrow with another episode. Until then, take care of yourselves, and let's build the next new normal, y'all. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe.